0: Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS, now the always entertaining Chris Zabalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson.
1: Well greetings and salutations everyone, it's time to go Inside EMS, this is the only podcast that brings you Inside EMS, I'm your host Chris Cebalero, and as always I want to thank you for joining us, it's always great when we have time to come and chat and give you a little bit of information but now let's go ahead and bring him in he's slim shady yes he's the real shady kelly grayson kelly how are you
0: i'm fine man that's the first time i've ever been called the real slim shady you
1: are the real slim shady the ted nugent of ems right here i don't even know what to call you anymore there's just there's just so many so many names we could use and and there's some bad ones too that we could use just
0: call me anything but late for dinner
1: that's right as long as we can get going with that so mardi gras louisiana did you get to go down to new orleans or how'd you spend mardi gras i
0: i I don't i don't do the new orleans mardi gras it's too big too many crowds too many ignorant people um i much prefer uh traditional cajun mardi gras uh where they all dress in uh outfits that, that they're very brightly colored hooded robes and that sort of thing and they they canter through town on horseback uh, entertaining the populace and, and uh, begging for ingredients for the community gumbo so uh the um the courier de mardi gras the the big traditional mardi gras parade was in Mamou uh on fat tuesday that morning and uh it's always a big it's always a blast to see uh see the cajuns really whooping it up the way it was meant to be done
1: interesting you know one of the things that i can go out on a limb here is I, I would say that there was probably no alcohol involved in this event for you
0: oh yeah no that that would be a very big. would, it, would,
1: I, would I be wrong would i be wrong very big very thin oh, limb. god i hate uh, that but, i hate but that but not
0: enough that uh not so much that uh, I, I didn't have someone designated to drive me home very but, good uh, i probably was not near as intoxicated as many of the uh, city fathers on the mardi gras ride that's that's kind of a tradition as well
1: that sounds like fun, man. Uh, next yeah. year, I'll have to come down there. We'll have to experience it. But let's go ahead and do what we do. Yeah. So, so the first news story, what do you got for us?
0: This is revisiting a topic um, uh, from Glendale Air. I talked a uh, uh, while back about uh, Glendale, Arizona Fire Department, uh, firefighters physically assaulting a patient. The uh, video went viral on the web. A lot of people opined on it, myself and, and you included, saying that the, uh, the actions of the firefighters were overboard. And uh, internal investigation uh, determined that a pair of those firefighters used excessive force and violated city and department policies when they punched and cursed at a patient during that call back in October. Now, interestingly enough, the, the uh, patient, uh, James Murillo, the firefighter stated he threw a backhanded punch and cold cocked one of the uh, guys and they uh, that overturned the stretcher or they overturned the stretcher uh, and uh, retaliated, hitting him back and cursing him and holding him down and everything. Uh, I opined at the time that, you know, uh, the guy was supposedly postictal from a seizure and when you're post postictal from a seizure... You really don't have control or awareness of what you're doing. But uh, according to reports, uh, Mr. Murillo stated that he was looking for a fight and wanted to harm firefighters firefighter so they wouldn't take him to the hospital. So uh, apparently Mr. Murillo was not postictal. He was just a prick. But, we, but that doesn't change the fact that, uh, you know, we as providers need to be uh, above retaliation, and that's what occurred in this place. And uh, these two firefighters were uh, suspended uh, or placed on administrative leave and reassigned. Um, so, yeah, it looks like the city did, uh, did determine that they, uh, they, they went a little overboard in their reaction to this combative patient.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we did talk about this uh, pretty much to length the last time, and I'm glad to see that there was uh, an investigation that they were able to make the determinations of what happened. But, you know, in the heat of doing these things, Mm -hmm. if somebody hits you, and you and I, Kelly, we've been doing this for almost 60 years uh, combined, we've been hit, and we've been punched, and we've been kicked, and we've been slapped, and we've been spit on. Mm -hmm. And automatically and we can't help this this is just our physiology automatically we get fight or flight and we get defensive and we may you know grab them a little bit harder we may push them down a little bit harder and a lot of times it's it's it is human nature we do have to be able to try to control that but anytime someone is punched or kicked or hurt and we're not trained to deal with that there's going to be a reaction we just have to remember that you know in situations that they need to curse that they need to to punch them in the face you know certainly not but we do have to realize that in the heat of a call and somebody you know hits you or attacks you your first response is going to be to defend yourself and that's going to be to the best of your ability and
0: i I understand and i understand that I, i i i agree with what you're saying but at, by the same token, we are professional responders, and we work in a lot of situations where uh, they're volatile and, and uh, you know, um, we're trained to master that fight-or-flight reflex and to, to, to behave rationally despite
1: how uh, we How are we trained? How are we trained to, to, to react to that? We're not well, trained for that.
0: Any fight or flight reflex. I'm not talking about just. I'm not talking about responding to uh, uh, to physical assaults. Although I would think that they uh, they could definitely use some training in that regard um, uh, on how to respond appropriately. But we're trained to master that adrenaline rush and that fight or flight reflex. You know that that that's something that you you learn to do as an an emergency responder, is is to, uh, you know, overcome your emotions and and think rationally and calmly uh, in a crisis. That's part of our job description. And the fact that they didn't in this case, um, you know, doesn't speak well for them. But I'm glad that the uh, city um, held them accountable and uh, hopefully they can all, you know, they've learned their lesson, they can move on from this and and, uh, adopt their practice uh, in the future.
1: Right. You know, and one of the things that you and I have uh, been a fan of, you know, Kip T. Sort uh, does his, uh, you know, his class, his defense class for EMS and, you know, ex-police off officer and martial artist. And he developed a uh, a, a great course for us in EMS that we're able to, uh, you know, get out of those situations if we need to. And, you know, I think, you know, his course really needs to be a staple in every single e- EMT and paramedic course in the United States because it's not, you know, we're hearing about it more and more of, of, of EMTs and paramedics and firefighters getting assaulted and getting punched and getting hurt and uh, getting killed. And we've got, you know, it's not what we're there for, man. We're there to give no. compassion, yeah. um, but we still got to be able to make sure we get home at the end of the night. And, and I just worry about that of our folks
0: yeah our, and and our instinctual response to it is is 99% of the time not the appropriate and and that's something that Kip uh, Kip delves into uh, in his classes and and what's the difference between an assailant and a patient and and how to you know dispelling some of the myths that we throw out that you know that we'll be able to respond and, and protect ourselves from from a violent encounter uh with the materials we have at hand i'll block his punch with the clipboard or i'll brain him with the auction cylinder if i need to and or the six or sort of, the six
1: uh battery mag light
0: yeah or the six battery mag light uh and that sort of thing and um you know i uh, kip's video uh demonstrating you know debunking some of those myths with his son was, was pretty instructive uh that you can't uh, even a trained martial artist can't react in time uh it proved that pretty conclusively. Not only that, it proved that you know, Kip T-Sort is, is greasy fast when he throws a punch. Yes, <laughs> so, he is. Yes, he is. So, uh,
1: <laughs> Well, let yeah. me go ahead and give you my story. Uh, we're going to go to upstate New York. man. It, the Northeast has just been getting pounded this, this winter with snow. Yeah. And uh, we go to Buffalo, New York, and a rural metro ambulance started uh, caught fire uh, uh, this Wait. week. And, uh, you know, that was one of those things that you wake up and your ambulance is on fire. You know, this happened See, it's to like, us. Heat works. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They needed <laughs> to heat up the ground so they can get rid of that snow. And, and Real Metro decided to help out. But, you know, one of the things that uh, happened with us during the Ferguson event is one of our ambulances caught fire as well. It wasn't driving, it was just kind of uh, idling. And next thing we knew, it was engulfed in flames. And thankfully, no one got hurt. But at the time, I remember thinking about are we pushing our luck? with how long we keep the resources on the street are we putting you know duct tape and spit and and wire together to make sure that we can get another you know fifty thousand miles out of this thing when they've already gone their life and uh you know are we are we the cause of of these ambulance fires that are happening because we're just hanging on to something that's really too old to use
0: i that may be true especially with with um you know uh dwindling, uh, reimbursement and dwindling tax bases and, and your budgets are not what they once were. I don't it's so much that as it's, uh, as it's a combination of things. We're pushing rigs past their, their reasonable, uh, service life. Plus, uh, the way they are designed still is leaves a lot to be desired. You know, these, these, we put way too much, uh, we tax the electrical systems on these on these ambulances uh, far beyond what they were designed for. You know, even with the heavy-duty wiring harness and, and extra beefy alternators or even dual alternators, sometimes it's uh, the electrical components uh, are are a major uh, source of of wear and failure on a rig, um, and it's probably because we are asking too much of them. That's, you know the borg uses those those vans and they use or they use a uh, type one boxes uh and uh and an onboard generator that runs all the electrical components uh from the from the cab back uh and that seems to to help them a lot um but uh yeah it's just um you know uh probably raw hiding them too much running them all the time to right. get new rest and uh that and the, the vehicles were, were probably not designed to the uh, the design tolerances are probably exceeded by the by what we're asking of them. So.
1: Yep, I agree. What's yeah. next,
0: man? We've got a uh, we we've got another uh, uh, call here. We've got a a, a tragedy in uh, coming out of Denver. Um, Debbie Crawford, a uh, longtime Denver health paramedic, uh, committed suicide. Uh, just the other day, she died by uh, suicide after responding to a fatal accident between a uh, uh, light rail train and a pedestrian. And uh, her coworkers and, and colleagues are understandably devastated, uh, as are pretty much anyone who's uh, who's heard about this. Uh, not only was Debbie a long-time paramedic, but she was a you know she was a, a peer counselor and a crisis counselor. She knew you know, uh, all the resources available, uh, to help people with PTSD and depression and, and, uh, and mental illness, uh, in her job. And it was a responsibility to know those things. And for her, it was still not enough. Um, and, uh, man, I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, uh, with the, with the loss of this woman. And, um, I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired of, of hearing about my colleagues uh, taking their lives or, or uh, you know, suffering from mental illness um, because of what we see every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and we got to remember that, man, because the stress rises, and, uh, you know, it, it's not the, that one thing that really pushes us over the edge, but it's the culmination of things that kind of push us over the edge. I'm going to go ahead and jump to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and this was a story that, again, came out this week. It was on the 16th that one of the paramedics up there in Alberta committed suicide as well. You know, Greg Turner, paramedic up there in Alberta, you know, committed suicide and uh, did it right there at the station. And, you know, uh, Kelly, I think this is a good opportunity to transition into our clinical issue. You know, you and I now, we're talking about two suicides. We're talking about, you know, we're not even to the end of February yet. I think this is like number six that we know about for this year. In the live show, you and I talked about that we were going to use this platform, if anything, Mm -hmm. uh, is to bring awareness to depression, stress, uh, and try to save our our peers from committing suicide. You know, we're here to say that, you know, there is an option. And, And I'm going to throw it to you because, you know, I think when we talk about you know being depressed and you've been very very open with your challenges that you've had and i'm going to let you start this conversation but right here right now today on this show we bring awareness to this topic and hopefully we can make a difference in saving our peers so what do you hit us with
0: you know it's uh on the good news front, the the organization I am I'm, uh, serve on the board of, uh, the Code Green Campaign, which aims to crowdsource uh, uh, mental health awareness and, and peer support for, for public safety providers. Uh, we just got some good news. We, we got our 501c3, um, so we're now a registered charity. And uh, that's all good news. Um, and, you know, we just, it, it's become obvious that, the the resources that most agencies have in place are not enough. You may have peer counseling, or you may have you know a uh, 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 employee assistance program, and you may have a healthcare plan that, that pays for for uh, psychiatric uh, visits and so on and so forth. Um, but it's still not helping. Um, we still got people that, that either choose not to utilize those resources uh, because of the, the, they fear the stigma attached to, to mental illness and, and reaching out for help, uh, or they don't think that those resources are enough or are going to be helpful for them. And, I, and I've heard that firsthand from a number of providers who suffer from PTSD. Um, we need something more. Yeah. We, we need to. We need agencies to make a commitment right. to the mental health of their crews, uh, and and that commitment needs to be tangible. It needs to be something that says, "Okay, no matter what, we're going to get you the help you need, uh, within reason. We're going to, you know, make it the path to to uh, seeking help." as easy as we can possibly make it. Right. And it's not that way in a lot of places.
1: Hey, Kelly, let me ask you a question because, you know, you've been very forthcoming with uh, your your bouts with depression. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said that resonated with me that, that I still hold on to today was you really didn't know you were depressed. No. You were going through all these motions and then one day there was a snap that you said, oh my God, I'm fitting into this mold of being depressed. Do you have, can you share with us any, uh, you know, any of the signs and symptoms that if people are out there that may not know they're depressed, that they're, you know, things are just building and building before they get to the end. Can you give us some insight on that?
0: Yeah. Well, I had no, you know, I didn't have the proverbial feelings of worthlessness and despair and and I, I never had any suicidal ideation. Uh, I just had no. Spark.
1: Yeah, but how far away were them? Were they for you? You know, uh, where, where were you in that mix?
0: Well, I'm 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 far too narcissistic to kill myself, uh, <laughs> or maybe not narcissistic enough, depending on your outlook. But uh, I, that was never even remotely entertained. Um, what I did was just withdraw from life. I withdrew from life and and I rationalized it in saying, well, you know, I'm overworked. I'm tired. I've got too many irons in the fire. I've got too many responsibilities and things on my plate and I don't have enough time to get them all done. There are not enough hours in the day. So I'm just going to, um, not socialize. I'm not going to talk to my girlfriend. I'm not going to talk to my friends. I'm not going to go out and shoot. Uh, I'm not going to do all the things that I enjoy because I have to do the things that get me paid. Um, and that was the attitude I took. And as a result, uh, I had no creative spark. Uh, the things that got me paid, like writing things, uh, I had no energy or, or impetus to, to do those things. Um, and I was, I was not a pleasant person to be around. Um, and, and that's a cycle that has repeated itself uh, through most of my adult life. Uh, and it was only after my wife left me uh, 10 years ago that I, I realized what it was. And, and that's the thing. Depression doesn't always manifest itself in, in psychiatric symptoms. It may be just the fact that you, you know you, you have no energy anymore and no drive uh, and you're wondering why that is. well it may be because you're depressed um, and, and you need to realize that and, 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 uh, and seek help if necessary.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. And, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, again, it's the culmination of stress. You know, compassion fatigue is a big thing in our business mm-hmm. as well. You know, we we care too much sometimes. Yeah. And we give all of ourselves to, to making sure our patients get the very best that they can be. But after a while, that wears down on us as well. Yes, and, it does. you know, when we start thinking about, uh, you know, ending our lives... Really, man, that, that, that's the end. That's the end of everything. And there are so many people out there that have been through this that have the ability to talk to you, that have the ability to, to get you to that next step. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I urge you to, to reach out to those folks. And Kelly and I have both said, you know, send an email to the show. We'll contact you and we'll try to help you as best we can. But let's give some of those warning signs of suicide. And I'm going to give a couple, Kelly, I'll let you give a couple. But, you know... Th- talking about killing themselves or harming themselves you know many a truth is spoken in jest and you know people may be joking around about things but really they're they're kind of feeling things out and and that's something if people are talking about killing themselves or hurting themselves it's a call for attention it's a call that they need some help and give them what they need and take time with those folks and don't push them aside expression expressing strong feelings of hopelessness or being trapped You know, that's another thing. You feel like you're backed up against the wall and there's nowhere to go. Well, there are places to go. You may not have the understanding of where those resources are, but there are people out there who are dedicated to ensuring that, you know, this doesn't get to the end. You know, a preoccupation with death and dying. You know, one of those things in EMS is we talk about that a lot. We try to cheat death at every turn that we can. But if there's a preoccupation with death or dying, that could be one of those warning signs that we've got to pay attention to. You got a couple more for
0: us? Yeah. uh, The ones that I suffered from, you know, you can't sleep or in my case, you sleep too much uh, or you've lost your appetite or you can't stop eating. That's one of the things I did when I was depressed. You know, when I'm when I'm in the midst of depression, I sleep 19 hours a day. Um, I get up and go to work, and when I'm working, and and on the rare night when it's when it's slow, I'm sleeping in the ambulance, um, and uh, you know I, I eat like a pig, uh, and and it's it's taking a you know, toll on my physical health as well, which which you know is a is a uh, uh, vicious uh, cycle. You know, you, you feel worse physically, that makes you more depressed, and so on and so forth. Um, just those were the physical signs that I had that uh, are, are signs and symptoms of depression.
1: Yeah, so while we're talking about suicide, I want to kind of jump into next of, of what we're going to do. I mean, you and I said we're going to do it, so so how do we help our folks? But, you know, if you have a feeling of helplessness, that you're thinking about hurting yourself, I want to give you a number. It is Suicide Help, 1-800-273-TALK, and that's 1-800-273-TALK. I, I urge you. You know, we're 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 a team. We're a family. I, I don't want to see anyone else. Uh, you know, be part of this uh, loss to our career field. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if if you need somebody to talk to, go ahead and reach out and uh, see if those folks can help. And like I said, Kelly and I are always available to take your calls and uh, put you in a direction that we need to go in. But Kelly, one of the things that I, I think I want to talk about with you is. You know, we have a great platform here. We got a lot of people who click on the show. We got a lot of people who send us, you know, emails telling us the great job we do. And they thank us for uh, entertaining them and educating them. But now, right here, right here and now, let's set up a platform, and what do we do for these people, and how do we get them the help that they're going to need? I mean, we're we're just two guys, but it's our job now to educate the people who who are with these folks. I mean, I just had one of my employees come up to me upset because a a former partner of his uh, committed suicide, and of course, there's that feeling of, if, if I was there kind of thing. Survivor guilt. Exactly. But, you know, but... What do you look for, and what do they do? And and let's educate these folks that are out there to say, you know, look out for this, and this is what you do in these cases.
0: Yeah. Well, the first step I would I would recommend is that we need to destigmatize mental illness among mental health providers, and that starts with us, each and every person in an ambulance needs to consider their words when they're talking about the mentally ill I've done it I'm guilty of it I've done it in the past and we will probably do it in the future but I'm gonna I'm starting to be more mindful about how I talk about people with mental illness because when you talk about that sort of thing you never know if Another person is suffering the exact same symptoms or the exact same feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, and they're sitting in the ambulance seat 18 inches away from you, and they don't say anything. They may laugh just to fit in, right. uh, but the unspoken message is: is uh, this guy doesn't have my back, and I'm going to be ostracized, or I'm going to be thought of that way if I seek out help. We need to get rid of that paradigm right. and, and lose the the idea that mental health or mental illness is weakness and and that there's something wrong with you. Um, It's a natural thing for us to to encounter. Um, And and it's sometimes a price we pay in our profession. We can get help for it, but the first thing is we have to understand that um, it's okay to ask. That's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness.
1: You know, one of the things that I want to touch on as well is, Kelly, I don't know if you know this, but I have high blood pressure. I have high cholesterol and uh, I have to take medicine for that. And it's something that I can't control. Um, I wish I can get my blood pressure under control. I guess if I lose a little bit of weight and stop eating salt, that would help. But uh, cholesterol, high cholesterol runs in my family, it's heredity, and I have to take medication for that. And, and there's no stigma to that. And I just want to say that you know, when the serotonin level in our, in our heads and our brains start to drop that may be another pill that needs to be taken. And just because you have to take a Zoloft or a Paxil or a Prozac doesn't necessarily mean it's a crazy thing. Just like I have to have blood pressure medicine to maintain my blood pressure, I have to have cholesterol medicine to lower my cholesterol. Uh It's okay if I've gotta take a serotonin reuptake medication because of the serotonin level and my brain isn 't doing what it 's supposed to be doing, and if you feel that you have that depression and if you feel that you know you need some help, those happy pills are something that could really get you through to the next step and i and I urge you to you know talk with your doctor about it and use them if you need them and, and you know i 've put a lot of people on the course of You know, antidepressants. And they've been helpful. And we've had some really great results with them, people. And it seems that it almost automatically puts them back into the flow of life. And I just want to urge you that if you're one of these folks that feel lonely, that you have a lack of support, that there's a lot of stress in your life, there's family history, man, always financial problems and marital problems and, and childhood problems and drug and alcohol abuse and whatever it is, man, talk to somebody about it and there's help out there to get.
0: Yep. You know, and, and I, I myself don't medicate, but I want to urge anyone who listens uh, that, that that's my solution. That may not be, you know, may not be the, the solution for you. Um, so just because I don't medicate and have said so in the past doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, if my depression were to worsen or, or the things that I do to combat it uh, quit working for me, then, um, by absolutely, I will. I will reconsider uh, getting on antidepressants. Um, which you know. Now, the second thing I would I would point out that we could do, a tangible thing that we could do is, if you don't have a mental health wellness program at your agency, don't wait for someone to start one. Start it yourself go to your supervisors go to your owners your your ceo your ops manager go to your senior management and say this is a problem we have this we need some sort of network uh to backstop what we don't have through our insurance and our eap um that's probably one of the most effective things we can do is put some meat. Uh, behind our words uh, about destigmatizing mental illness and form a peer support network at your agency. Um, you know there there are campaigns out there that support this sort of thing and will will help you help point you in the right direction, get you uh, point you where you can get some peer support training. Um, there's of course the Code Green campaign, which I which I'm very proud of. Yeah, and, give give and- me
1: information on that. How can I get in touch with those guys at Code Green?
0: Uh, it's uh, the CodeGreenCampaign.org. Um, look it up. And make sure we got the website right here. Um,
1: and also, they got a Facebook page. Get on the got Facebook, a Facebook page. page.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know, there there are others out there. There uh, and it doesn't have to be Code Green. It can be any one of the others out there. There's another campaign out there called "I've Got Your Back," and, and it speaks eloquent to it eloquently to exactly what we're aiming for. Um, you got to have the back of your partner you've got them you got their back physically you need to have their back emotionally as well. know that you know there, there's things that you can you can tell your partner that you wouldn't tell your priest well we need to live up to that and, and form a formal network at your agency uh, to, uh, to serve in that in that manner.
1: right I'm with you 100% Kelly. Looks like we got a clinical issue here. It's not yes, a clinical issue, but it's a life or death issue for our career field. And, and uh, you know, I urge folks that are out there, reach out to somebody. You're not alone. You know, we're sitting here saying we're here for you, and we're just two guys. There are other yeah. people out there that would give – whatever they needed to give for you to make sure that you don't end up to be a statistic. You're too important to our career field. You're too important to the people who love you. And there are people that love you that you may not even know about, but it, right. it's not despair. It's just, what do I need? And I don't know where to find it. And uh, I got to tell you, Kelly, uh, you know, I, I'm proud to pick up this gauntlet and, yeah. and to run with this. And this isn't going to be the first time we talk about it.
0: And I'll echo your comments, Chris. Uh, Despair should never be allowed to whisper in a friend's ear, without a contrary voice to, to give the lie to what it, what depression tells us. So, you got to be that that contrary voice to to point out to the people in depression that that it's not all that bad. Uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is not a train. Um, one thing I've discovered is that you know one of the things that really helps with my depression is talking about it and helping other people one of the, the major symptoms of depression is you know this feeling of hopelessness and, and lack of purpose well this is a this is a purpose I have I have uh, uh, undertaken uh, this is my purpose now is to to shine a light on depression and to get my colleagues the help that they can uh, the help that they need Maybe your purpose as well so reach out uh, reach out for help reach out to provide help um, and guys thanks for tuning in inside EMS as always my co-host Chris Cavalero and I thank you for uh, listening in and if you have questions comments concerns email us at the show at ems1.com and we'll catch you next week